Welcome to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. I'm Benjamin Klon. Zachary Reinhardt. Alex Sahori. Mara Zumberg. Ross Fisher. We're coming to you from the studios at The Fledge in Lansing, Michigan. As we tape this, it is Sunday, July 14th, and thank you for joining us this week. Make sure you subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get podcasts. You can find us on Facebook at State of the Revolution. You can follow us on Twitter at SOTRPod, and you can also help support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. So, as usual, our our first segment is focused here on Michigan, but uh, could very well have implications for other states and municipalities. Uh, this last Wednesday, State Representative Isaac Robinson introduced a bill that would impose a five-year moratorium on facial recognition te- technology in order to give lawmakers and experts time to research its flaws and constitutionality. Now, this is really this is really important because just last month, the Detroit Metro Times revealed that the fucking pigs at the Detroit Police Department have been using a sophisticated facial recognition system for like the last one or two years with no approval from the Detroit from Detroit. Board of Police Commissioners. Um, now, not only is this a probable violation of our Fourth Amendment rights, but another issue with facial recognition te- technology is that it's pretty fucking racist. Uh, uh, researchers have found that it's more likely to produce false matches on people with darker pigment. Yeah, I, I mean the whole the whole thing is like just like a shit show. I mean, and, and honestly, it comes like I mean, obviously, like the this you know as part of the next part of the uh, police commission are going in there and, and fighting on behalf of the people and whatnot. But it kind of goes to show you that, like... Um, Wait, uh, police commissioner, what could you... The police commissioner uh, went in and uh, he was advocating on behalf of the public and, and telling them about this and telling them uh, about them meeting in secret because they had a meeting... Um, last Thursday. Last Thursday that where, where nobody uh, was allowed in. It was a closed-door meeting. And, you know, with something happening in... in this is like the, the entire public is going to be affected by this, and the fact that they're doing this in closed doors is wrong. So, I mean, it was great to see a police commissioner actually <clears throat> do what they're supposed to do and hold the police accountable. But then it kind of comes back to this point where, you know, we're always told that police are there to protect and serve. But when an officer is trying to protect the public, um, you know, he gets, he gets arrested by his fellow officers. Mm-hmm. Now— if he would have, I don't know, shot an unarmed citizen, I doubt we would have seen the same um, reaction. You know, it had been protecting him instead of arresting him. Protect and serve what? Yeah, protect and serve mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's a pretty awful situation to say the least. Like, I really, you know, I'm kind of speechless on this issue because you know the facial recognition software. It's just so dystopian. So, um, you know, like bringing it on a global scale, this is not just going on like in the United States. This is going on like globally. And, you know, like this is how they're going to when we get uh, floods or refugees during the climate crisis, this is how they're going to be controlling all the brown people coming to our country Mm -hmm. is they're going to be using facial recognition software to uh you know as like a uh digital gustapo and you know it i i really just i can't believe like you the you just the look of just white uh it like uh inferior uh officers like literally taking out a black police commissioner in handcuffs like it's striking it really shows just like you know where uh where power uh lies well, the police commissioner might have been trying to protect people, but the police are always trying to protect themselves um, because they they do operate as like 
their own gang for money. And that's like, it's really not surprising that they would go to an underhanded length to, um, to do what they see is best, which is incredibly patronistic. Um, and always has been. That's what they do. Well, listen, uh, guys. It's okay. it's all fine. The police said that <laughs> they <laughs> only use this in situations where the crime has already been committed, already been committed and yeah. they know after the fact. And, yeah, yeah, after the fact. So we can absolutely trust that they will not abuse this at all, <laughs> and it will all be fine. Especially because they've kept it a secret for like the last year. <laughs> right. Whenever the police yeah. keep a secret, you know it's in your They're best just interest. Trying because... extra hard. To solve crimes, right? And we, you know, no. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's kind of, it's dystopian. It's honestly, yeah. I mean, I hadn't heard, uh, you know, about this because right, they're, yeah. they're hiding it. Uh, but um, it's definitely something that hopefully the legislature will will um, act on. I mean, it's interesting to see how this bill, this bill goes. Yeah, where this bill goes. I mean, there's so many pro police heavily pro-police members in the legislature in both parties that I don't have a lot of confidence that it'll this you know particular bill will go far yeah I mean I I don't really have any confidence in the, in the Michigan legislature but yeah. <laughs> just, just to just to give everyone like an idea of the scope of uh, Detroit's uh, facial recognition system. Um, there, it's it's a one million dollar program that enables police to identify and track residents captured on hundreds of private and public high definition cameras installed at parks, schools, immigration centers, gas stations, churches, abortion clinics, hotels, apartments, fast food restaurants, and addiction treatment centers. So it allows the police to identify people at any time using databases containing hundreds of thousands of photos, including including mugshots, driver's licenses, and images scraped from social media. So it's it's pretty goddamn expansive. Yeah, and it, I'm really glad that you mentioned, uh, you know, the part about the private cameras, because a lot of people, like, this has actually been, like, I, this was a really big deal a few years ago, right? Like, Dan G Gilbert's, like, private security force in downtown Detroit. So you have, like... That's part of, like, the Greenlight program, right? Right. And yeah. you have, like... They had people put up, like... So, I mean, they're actually having businesses put up these cameras for them to use by basically, I mean, in some ways, extorting them, being like, you know, if you put these cameras up, you'll be part of our Greenlight program. Right. So you'll be safe. It's almost like, you know, do what we say, or, no. you know, we're going to come <laughs> and, back. And it's a nice story you got. Uh, yeah, it's to be a shame something happened to it, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a, supposedly, these high-tech cameras that they're installing all over the city are also not feeding into the Detroit police system, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly, like, yeah. Right, yeah. And, and that's to... what they say. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, you have, like, um, a Midwest oligarch uh, profiting off uh, the deterioration of our civil liberties, and I don't think that's all right. You know, that's kind of like the messaging I feel like we have to uh, put out there. Yeah. Right, I agree. I'm waiting for the emails to come out about uh, police officers tracking like their ex-wives or um, you know things like that because I have a feeling we're going to see some of that. I, th there's <clears throat> whenever you have, I mean, there, there were stories about this like when um, Snowden had made his leaks uh, of like uh, um, employees of the NSA abusing their power and using the NSA's um, surveillance state to advance their own personal agenda. And I feel like with any kind of system like this where you have that much power and very little oversight, I mean, obviously it's kept from the public, the um, ability for them to 
you know, use this for not good means is, is very high. You guys think DHS is involved with this? Maybe that's like the uh, reasoning for these private meetings. Maybe. I don't know. Um, if any young journalists are listening, uh, put in a FOIA request. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. I mean, it's it's just it's it's really disconcerting. Like it's the the we're just giving so much more power to the state to basically track us down and capture us. Yeah, and now it's the state governments, not just the federal government. And right. Not only that, but to mention when you said they're they're tracking addict clinics, like that they, they already go after poor people mm-hmm. for using drugs. And yeah. now you're specifically putting cameras outside of addiction clinics to right. further target poor people who use drugs. Cool. Like that's cool. Right. Well, I mean, like like the quote I read from the Metro Times that there are also, there are also cameras outside immigration centers as well. Right. I mean, we're just tracking and sur- a, surveilling like some of the, like the most right, vulnerable people in our communities journalists are listening maybe uh foia and make sure they're not giving that info to ice too right they really need more cameras wall street <laughs> <laughs> that's where the real crime's happening but like, not on right. the outside of the buildings on the inside yeah yeah mm-hmm. in those just to clarify rooms, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean even uh rashida talib uh, weighed in on on this uh, on this issue, saying, uh, "With little to no input, the city of Detroit created one of the nation's most pervasive and sophisticated surveillance networks with real-time facial recognition technology. Police are, policing our communities has become more militarized and flawed. Now we have for-profit companies pushing so-called technology that has never been tested in communities of color, uh, let alone been studied enough to conclude that it makes our communities safer. People's freedom is at stake." I love that woman. That was so. that was a really 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 great statement. Hopefully we can see the end of this soon. I don't know if we will, but I don't know how we will. To be honest, it, it's really disappointing just just to see like how it's like a common occurrence now, and we've almost kind of gotten used to it. But this idea that like we don't have control over our government and they can just do whatever the hell they want without our permission, like I mean, it's ridiculous and it's getting more ridiculous. And I think there's also this idea that like technological advancements will just automatically make us like safer and more secure some people believe this in this theory and it's like no it just create there it creates a lot of other problems that you don't even account for and racist and, robots yeah yeah exactly and so i mean i think that's one of like the key elements of the neoliberal project is just like mm-hmm. we can fix everything with more technology smart everything yeah make everything smart, smart. surveillance yeah Smart jails. I right. mean, if everything's smart, but I still have my privacy, I'm okay with that. Just to like, it's convenient. <laughs> right. I mean, convenience is nice. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's incredibly insidious the way that they do it, and that's that's problematic. But keep pumping out this like nice tech. I like my music underwater. <laughs> I like it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> If it makes you feel better, Mar, Apple has in the past been pretty good with like privacy and like you know holding the go- federal government back, but they're really starting to step back on that now. Well, they, uh, I think the man behind that is no longer so. Right. Well, speaking of insidious government abuses, um, concentration camps in America are still a thing. Um, there have been a lot of reports coming out over the last couple of weeks of just horrendous and horrific abuses happening within these concentration camps, uh, sexual assault, medical neglect um, happening in facilities all across the country. In fact, um, 
Uh, it was just reported uh, that ICE has opened like three new detention centers in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi uh, that are being run by for-profit corporations. Uh, these are these are facilities that were used uh, by the Obama administration, but actually got shut down uh, in like 2012 due to due to public pressure. But now they've been reopened, reusing them again. Yeah, they reopened those against the will of Congress, which yeah. is an important thing. Um, it kind of goes back to that thing where like these law enforcement agencies are constantly breaking the law. Um, to try to enforce enforce the law and you know it's just <laughs> it's ridiculous i mean honestly like <clears throat> they talk about you know like the right is always talking about uh, tyrannical governments and everything like that and, you know going about and doing things that you know aren't sanctioned by the people and you know this is exactly what they're talking about but it's never in this instance it's like you know it's like when obama's you know wearing a tan suit that's the that's the tyranny that they want to fight against not the actual tyranny of concentration camps and ice and dhs not listening to our own fucking congress yeah it's pretty disgusting like these uh concentration camps are just so so like uh disgusting that um you know the people who work there those uh creatures they uh literally can smell it on their clothes when they go home like i mean that if that doesn't tell you like how just awful it is to be just like detained there just forever just like as long i i it's just so it it's draining it's just so god awful and you know we got um uh we got Nancy Pelosi like going after AOC instead of uh, Alex Acosta, and you know like that is just I don't even know I don't even know. Well, I think what was really troubling to me is the like the lack of empathy by a lot of people around, um, be, because that's that's really what's going to allow this to happen is the everyday person sitting back, and we can't we can't do that like we've seen what happens when we do that and and historically what what's the kicker is like the big one that everyone knows about is like four million white people right but this happens to people of color time and time and time again and we cannot allow it to happen again here like this is ridiculous it's absolutely disgusting and even like um the army psychologist assigned for the nuremberg trials said that uh Evil, I think, is the absence of empathy uh, and studying how people reacted to being tried for, like, mass crimes against humanity. And, uh, like, it's just vile. It's just absolutely vile. Yeah, there, there was actually a, there was a group of, like, I think it was, like, 18 Jewish activists who were just arrested. Um, yeah, well, did you guys right. see what happened in Tacoma, Washington? Uh, there's an anarchist named uh, William... Um, blanking on his last name right now but something yeah and uh he attacked one of these detention centers with a rifle and incendiary devices and when police showed up he was um caught like trying to um basically blow up these buses that were going to be used for deportation so that's the line that white people can cross when so to get killed by the police yeah just yeah also he was killed yeah he was shot and killed oh my goodness yeah so i mean but, like, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing, like, you know, people always ask themselves, like, you know, like, I mean, honestly, me, myself, like, sitting back, it's like, what, 
you never really think about like how how could something like the Holocaust happen? You know, how could somebody sit back and just allow these atrocities to happen? And yet, right now we're we're seeing or, it. Or even like that argument. Well, they should come here legally. Well, how? Where what legal avenue they have? People asylum come, is legal, right? Yeah. Asylum is legal, and learn the like, fucking laws. Like, right. These people just like, oh, it's so annoying. Like they don't understand laws. They just it's like repeated like falsehoods. It's the just same like, argument. It's the Fox News programming like again and again and again and again. And the problem is, is like the leadership wants to play on their narrative constantly. You know, it's like with the f- whole funding thing. You know, the big thing was is like, well, if we don't give them the funding they need, they're going to attack us and say that we don't actually care about these children. And then they give them the funding. And then what does Mike Pence do? He goes down there and he blames the Democrats for not funding. And it's like, you guys are fucking stupid. Like, they don't know how to control a narrative. But they also, like, they are using that funding, but not for what they're supposed to be using it for. Like, they're supposed to be making the situation like this better in each one, mm-hmm. which, first of all, they should be getting people out, like, within, I'm pretty sure, like, 20 days or something. That's right. like the limit. Less for minors, too. But instead, they're, like, buying empty private prisons in this deep south that have no immigration lawyers where they can get to, and it's, like, incredibly heinous. Yeah, and the... the um Mike Pence's uh, visit, you have to like the the scene that we saw there was absolutely atrocious. But you have to wonder like if you know you know he's not going to like the worst of the worst, and you know they cleaned up somewhat before he got there. And if it's still that bad, it makes you wonder what the situation is in these other places where that's not the case, where the cameras aren't there yet, where Mike Pence right. isn't showing up. It's got to ex- be worse. And that's exactly oh, yeah. the point that uh, AOC was making, right? Like when she was over there, it was like so disgusting that like. People had to drink, like, toilet water because they weren't, you know, getting enough food and water. And that's when a congressperson is there. And right. not only that, but, like, the officers themselves are being disrespectful to a congresswoman, like, specifically. Well, I know, like, is. they obviously like, had detailed, like, the ProPublica um, article that came out, which kind of showed, like, all of these uh, Border Patrol um, people in this group, like, you know, dehumanizing um, people and threatening congresswomen and and doing all these awful things and you know the first action of the um border patrol <laughs> is not to fix the situation but to put out a letter saying that ProPublica is an enemy of ice and their organization you know like journalism is the enemy because they're exposing what you're doing and what you're saying like shut them down like yeah abolish them yeah and, and obviously we've we've you know seen these like these private facebook message groups you know that the, and these people that work for these organizations i mean have sort of adopted this like fascist mindset i think working within these organizations just kind of like is a breeding ground for like uh just really i mean anti-immigrant and racist sentiment and yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, seeing Pence down there and seeing those side-by-side photos of the Nazis, you know, Nazi officials going to concentration camps, I mean, it's hard to tell the difference, honestly. I mean, this is, you know, we think we would have made, you know, more progress as as a society, but uh, no, well, no, we've not. Someone who was uh, who was there during Mike Pence's visit uh, said, "Like I've never seen like I've never seen such a lack of like empathy. Like I've never seen 
anything more soulless than Mike Pence's dead fucking eyes. Apparently there's like things talking about how like he wouldn't look any of the migrants in the eyes actually. Like he kept like he would look at the border patrol coward. and like yeah. he would like look away but he wouldn't look at the people in the like in the cages. As as they're shouting no Shower, showers. Yeah, no showers, no showers. No showers. <laughs> fucking hell. So uh, yeah, uh, props to AOC for um coming out and uh Saying that we need to abolish the Department of Homeland Security. You know, I really think that uh, that is a great step forward. That is something that, you know, I've been wishing Democrats would say for a few years now. Uh, if you don't know, the Department of Homeland Security was created in 2003. Uh, and it's it's super. It's a super new department. And it's 2002. Based, 2002. All right. Mm -hmm. 2002. And uh, it's, it's, it's super new. And it's basically consolidated. Um, the entire, uh, um, the entire uh, military and security operations in the United States under one department under re basically it's zero separation of powers. It's, it's completely like out of the values of our constitution and it should be abolished. Yeah. It's part of the Patriot Act. I mean, if, if that doesn't tell you how awful it is right there, I mean, that, that's, that's like a telltale sign. This is an awful, awful thing created by the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. people, you know? Yeah. I mean, whoever the next you know, president is needs to seriously, you know, think about ways that we can like, yeah, I mean, abolish the Department of Homeland Security and better structure federal agencies to like prohibit this type of thing from happening because basically this like was set up by the Bush, Bush administration and then you have a, you know, super anti-immigrant president that comes in who basically uses these agencies, you know, to their like full evil potential essentially like, you know, if, so that's something that like yeah, whoever's in office next needs to work on ways to prevent someone, you know, a future president from, you know, creating these abuses in the executive branch. Whoever, whoever is in office next needs to be someone who is okay with checking the powers of the president. Mm -hmm. Like, they need to have that balance back and... It's scary to hand that over to anybody at this point. Yeah, and that's that's the problem is even like presidents like Obama, they get into office and they have all this executive power and they don't want to they don't want to give it up because it's he expanded it, the administrative street. Yeah, right. State. Yeah. And so to have a president that actually comes in and reduces their own power, which will prevent, you know, some of these problems from happening in the future, I think is super important. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, a sideline, but that's kind of like why I like Bernie so much is because of the fact mm -hmm. that he um, fought so hard to pass the War Resolutions Act, which is exactly that, something that curtails um, executive power by not being able to declare war without the approval of Congress. So I was, uh, I like seeing somebody willing to give up power for the- Are you talking about the, the AUMF? Yeah, yep. Yeah. The authorized use of military force, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about uh, Pelosi now, Ben? I would love to talk about Pelosi now. Oh, getting, uh, getting to the things that we actually uh, enjoy talking about. Shitting on Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. So uh, this this last week uh, saw the escalation of uh, an ongoing feud between uh, Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker. Uh, and four young women of color who elect, who were elected to, to Congress last year. Um, she's been, uh, uh, she's been singling them out and, uh, talking shit about them in the media. And, um, 
obviously they've been clapping back, especially AOC. Um, and I guess in in a closed door meeting uh, just last, uh, I think it was Wednesday, she uh, scolded uh, progressives, uh, telling them not not to tweet uh, uh, tweet attacks on Twitter uh, about uh, about their colleagues, about their Democratic colleagues to handle things in closed doors. Um, I mean. <laughs> There's so much gaslighting going on. And honestly, I just want Nancy Pelosi to attack the Trump administration and Republicans as uh, fiercely as she does progressives. That would be really, really great, to be honest. I mean, she has people—I don't know if you guys—I um, don't know if you guys—apparently she was a huge topic at Netroots, which was this past weekend. And I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, do you guys remember the guy that delivered, um, like, a bajillion roses oh to Nancy Pelosi's office? Oh, my God, that silly boy. His name's uh, Marcus. And uh, so, I mean, obviously, he stands— Nancy Pelosi super hard. I mean, didn't you see his eyes? Uh, huh? His eyes in that picture? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> but even him, even he is against Nancy Pelosi right now. He's like, I don't understand what she is doing. Yeah. Like, when 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 your like strongest fans are questioning what you're doing, it's it's obvious that what you're doing is wrong. Like mm -hmm. when the centrist that runs daily costs is like, maybe you've gone too far in attacking progressives. You've gone too fucking far. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, really, there is really no explanation of, you know, like what uh, Nancy Pelosi is doing right now. She said, um, you know, that they, that uh, the squad made themselves irrelevant because uh, they didn't vote for the uh, border funding. Mm -hmm. And she said that they only have four votes. Well, that's, the, the not... squad being AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, and Ayanna Presley. Right, right, right. But the final vote was 305 to 102. So 102 Democratic Congress people uh, did not vote for that border funding. That that's 98 people that aren't the squad. Right. <laughs> right. And she's saying that like it's just them. They are they're, they're the problem. And here's here's the thing. Here's what's really a lot of people are saying that, you know, oh well Chuck Schumer really sold out Pelosi. He didn't keep his coalition in the Senate. He couldn't uh it, it would have passed anyway. That that Senate bill would have passed anyway. He could have got the Democrats to just vote no. But no, he just he just let his uh he just let his caucus do their thing, which he always does. I mean, he is awful. But the thing is, like, um, the Republicans, they have this rule called the Hastert Rule. It's uh, named after Dennis Hastert, who is basically like this guy who went to prison for being a pedophile. He was a former Speaker of the House. And um, basically the idea is if there are more Republicans than – or uh, the, the only way they will uh, pass a – or even put up a vote in the House is if more Republicans vote for it than Democrats. They will not even bring it up for to a vote if more Democrats are uh, endorsing this bill than Republicans. They won't even bring it up to a vote. So like Nancy Pelosi, you know, when, when there are more Republicans, you know, voting for uh, House bills than Democrats and Nancy Pelosi is allowing those bills to pass that is 100 percent her responsibility that is 100 percent her failure i am so fucking livid right now because basically you have the democratic party who's supposed to be the resistance against trump just being fucking limp just being at absolutely god awful just so dumb i just can't believe it i really just don't know what to say 
it's I, <laughs> it makes you question what was the point of taking over the house if this right, is what we're gonna right, get right, right. right this is there's no oversight there's no there's no investigations into uh uh trump um appointees there's literally nothing what are they doing it's, their whole strategy is just letting the republicans being a stoop just letting them be the republicans and hoping that people just think it's god awful because they will not fucking argue about anything they will not go up to the play on they would rather fall on their own sword than pick it up and fight like that people make that argument that they are actually paid to lose yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, I found that quote from Marcus. Uh, he goes, "She doesn't act this way when blue dogs say stupid shit about other Democrats and about the party and constantly criticize the party. For some reason, she's singling out these four for a special brand of conflict. It doesn't make any sense." There was a, it was like like a week or two ago, like um, AOC tried to uh, get get a couple of amendments passed to this bill that's going through the House uh, that would curtail um, or, you know, like limit the Trump administration's ability to uh, detain migrants. And uh, it failed by, like, at least, uh, at least like, 100 votes, like, in a in a democratically controlled house mm-hmm. like these like these these fuckers are just so useless man well you know people always when you whenever you say this people are always like well you know some of those democrats are in swing districts and they have to think about that and th- here's my response you never, never see this from Republicans in swing districts. They just don't do it. You always look at these, you know, these votes, and it's always like, you know, solid Democrat and the yay or nay, and then like a mix of Republicans, Democrats, and the, and the other. And it's like whatever the bad side is, you always have those swing vote Democrats that go along with Republicans. Like if you want to legislate as a Republican, go be a Republican. Like there's no point in like being a Democrat if you're not gonna, you know, like people always want to talk about unity in the party. But not when it counts. It's like it's a way to gaslight progressives into falling in line. And they're doing it again now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got uh, Nancy Pelosi getting mad and saying, do, do not tweet. And then you get a tweet from the House Democrats official account attacking AOC's staffer from a tweet that was two weeks old. Like two weeks old, they had to resurface a tweet and attack a, a, a staffer with a um an official account. It's just like absurd. Talking about that Sharice Davis tweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I, she she voted for the uh, border funding without any of the uh, of the without any of the um, oversight provisions. Yeah. And not know? only did they vote for like they didn't even just vote for like the weaker House version, like or the stronger, like because like there was a Senate bill which was like extremely weak, and then there was the House bill which was stronger than that, albeit not what the squad wanted, right. and then there was the squad's like pushes for amendments and things like that. So, you know. It had been one—I mean, it's still not acceptable, but it had been one thing if they would have, like, voted for, like, the House bill that was at least stronger than the Senate bill, right. so they would have gotten something out of the deal, but they didn't. They voted for the Senate bill. I mean, you know, like, as bad as Nancy Pelosi is, I don't think that Chuck Schumer should be let off the hook either, because, you know, you look yeah, at the votes in the not. Senate, and there were so many Democrats that voted for this in the Senate as well. I mean, yeah, but, you know, you don't— You don't you control just, the Senate, you, but still— You don't control the Senate, all, but they, they, the Senate bill would have passed anyway. And you you just you just gotta take a stand. 
they just won't take a stand. Right. They won't make a political fight out of it. They just they, they they're too scared. They're yeah. scared. They're just, Which is told- everybody's problem with her initially is they knew that eventually she was going to start doing shit like this. Like all those Yas queen moms, that, like soccer moms that are like up on Facebook. Like, yeah, look at Nancy Pelosi right now talking to Trump. But now she oh, doesn't yeah, even do that anymore. Right. Yeah. And she was actually like, she comes out later. She's like not even sarcastically clapping. She right. just looks she just, sarcastic. No, I actually agreed with him on that point. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> and then like all the libs are like, uh, like, just, like, like all, like all the libs like still standing her are like, well, she, she had to say that, you know, six dimensional chest. Yeah. Right. Six dimensional chest. Yeah, and if you, if yeah. you, if let, let's be, well, okay. So let's, let's try and speak Nancy Pelosi's language too, right? She's a fundraiser. So let's talk about some fundraising. All right. I have some numbers about some fundraising, right? So, uh, the top fundraiser right now in Congress is Katie Porter, who, uh, she, uh, flipped Orange County from red to blue. And, um, so it, and she's an impeachment Democrat, actually quite progressive also I, in, in her yeah, policy. I'm a big fan of Katie yeah. Porter, Katie, honestly. Yeah, Katie Porter is I love a, when she takes down people with, like, tax code law. Did you, oh, she's she awesome did that, that once and she was like... I wrote this book on it. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure she like had Elizabeth Warren as a teacher. Yeah, back she in did. The day. Okay. So yeah, um, she is. Uh, yeah, quite progressive. Quite. She's she's got a million dollars. She's an impeach pro impeachment uh, Congress person. She's got a million dollars in the second quarter of 2019. And she's in that swing district, right? And she's in that swing district, right? She's not scared about impeachment. Right. But I guess that kind of makes sense in Pelosi's head because that's like, you know, Orange County. Those are the type of rich people that want to see uh, Donald Trump impeached. Right. So I, I that's kind of where I. But but the thing is, the two people who have raised the most other than Katie Porter. I mean, you can probably guess it's uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar has actually raised the most over eight hundred thousand dollars in the first quarter. Um, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez uh, raised over $700,000 in the first quarter. Uh, um, Just goes to show that if you stand for something, people will actually support you and back you. Exactly right. And so uh, Rashida Tlaib, she's got over uh, 300000 um, Ayanna Presley, we need to uh, support her more. She's uh, just under uh, 200000 And these are all... Um Small dollar, no right. pack, exactly. no corporate pack. Exactly. That's the thing that kills me is like, the, look at those numbers, and then you think about like, oh, they only have four votes. Like, that's Nancy Pelosi's comment. Like, oh, they only have four votes, but look at how many people support them. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's the thing is like, Nancy Pelosi can try to like control what's happening uh, inside Congress, but she has no that's control the third layer outside. Of chess. No, but <laughs> you know, we are we are also you know competing against the centrists too, who are also doing actually a good job raising money. So Politico, uh, but it's like is, where the question is, right? Is like, where is that where money, is coming, money from? coming from? You know, so but Politico it, says that like. In um, the like forty or so swing districts that Democrats are uh, that freshman Democrats are trying to keep their seats in, only eight have raised less than uh, three hundred thousand dollars. So right now, um, I- Ayanna Presley, she's uh, th- did she go against an incumbent uh, Republican or incumbent Democrat? Incumbent Democrat. Incumbent Democrat. So she's not in that pool. Yeah, they tried it, to say that uh, Justice Democrats was racist because right. they took out a it's, yeah, black it's not, incumbent. Right. But it's not. It's not. Um, it's not as uh, <laughs> oh. <and> as black. <laughs> so so she's so she's kind of safer in terms of fundraising, right? She she only she has less than uh, two hundred thousand still, or um, 
for the first quarter. Give her uh, money, rather. folks. Right. We should give her. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and give uh, her some money as also a Rashida Tlaib. You know, trying to spread the wealth of the squad. And um, <laughs> anyways, like yeah. So you know, we got Max Rose who's uh making um $579,000 or not making. He raised uh $579,000 in the first quarter. And uh Haley Stevens, um our uh representative has have uh has raised uh 575. Well, not $1, our. Like she's from Michigan though. Right? I thought she was uh I thought she no, was No, we got Slotkin. We got Slotkin. Oh, we got Slotkin, right? Stevens was the one Slotkin. endorsed oh, by Slotkin. Uh, Stevens was endorsed by Clinton, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. The thing about uh she really irritates me cuz she ran on Medicare for all and yeah. now she doesn't back Medicare for all. She also like she she and Slotkin have been Oh, good news for Michigan. It's kind of a tangent, but uh, we now only have two representatives in Michigan that do not uh, support Medicare for All. Dan Kildee recently uh, signed and got on board, mm-hmm. which makes uh, the House now, uh, at least amongst the Democrats, majority of House Democrats are Medicare for All co-sponsors now. So, good news. But yeah, Slotkin and uh, Haley Stevens are both awful and keep voting with these Republicans. In fact, they were two of the Repo- uh, Democrats that sided in the funding bill for uh, ICE and DHS. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats in these districts are so scared of losing to Republicans, and they're so afraid of losing re-election that they will take these really shitty positions and just to basically you know, claim that they're doing something in the short term when this really doesn't advance any, like, doesn't do anything for the long-term struggle for, for immigrants at all. And, um, yeah, they're just... That's but that's the, the whole philosophy of the Pelosi wing of the party is we have to, you know, move to the center in these in these type of districts and 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 all our actions we based around you know being worried about losing the majority and losing these seats that we just won and 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 that's if that's going to be the main focus this kind of shit's just going to keep happening. If you're playing this as a game, which you shouldn't be, first of all, mm-hmm. but if you play your game afraid to lose the whole game. You are going to lose. Yeah, that's right. Like that's just yes. common sense. And mm-hmm. Alyssa Slotkid uh, raised um, five hundred twenty-seven thousand uh, dollars in the first quarter. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. Democrats here love her. I mean, so I mean, that, that's one of those things CIA that just spook. like, yeah, she is a CIA spook. She really is. Um, that's one of the things that just I find so bewildering about like moderate and centrist Democrats that like, like they they ask for so little they they push for basically nothing and they use the excuse that oh you know we you know what you are demanding is too much and we need to accomplish something in the short term or whatever but like they never have any explanation as to what their long-term plan is they they don't they don't have a long game yeah, I, the I mean, long game is just being in office. Right, to exactly. <laughs> Try well, to struggle to keep that district. They're all rich, yeah. right? So their long game is just to retire. Like, that's the long game for them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a long game for society. It's a long game for my life. Well, they're not going to retire right away. They're going to no. uh, get a lobbying gig and make a six-figure salary for they'll a do what, uh, For what, all what those the bills fuck? I passed. Right, or seven-figure salary, probably. Yeah, right. or they'll be Diane Feinstein and just there until they're 107. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's never going to die. No, she's a robot. She's the real robot. She's, robot. she's the real Russian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's weird to me, too, that, like, these representatives, like, 
Alyssa Slotkin did not get elected by having Republicans vote for her. Like, that just did not happen. The reality is, is Alyssa Slotkin got elected because so many Democrats turned out to vote. And, like, every time that a centrist crosses the aisle like this, voter apathy on the Democratic side just trickles up, especially amongst younger um, voters and, and voters of color who have already been, you know— chastised by the system told you know like we don't we can't do it now you know we can't do it now like whether it be you know anything really like we can't do it now we we, we, we just can't you know sounds like she needs a primary <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah and I, I would say that like slot and i think did get a lot of votes crossover votes from people like in rochester hills that like norm like probably voted for republicans in the past oakland county voters that have gone more blue lately but the democrats can't rely on that segment of the population to be their electoral base they have to turn out uh people who don't normally vote uh you know people um in you know places like like, like lansing that um ha- that are a lot more progressive that have that just, that just don't vote so um yeah, Ingham, Ingham makes up like what 60 percent, i think of the vote for uh, the eighth district so i mean it's 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 quite substantial Ingham is kind of a mixed bag, but it's mostly Lansing and East Lansing. Yeah, I mean, it's for and the most part, it's relatively definitely progressive areas. Yeah, we run up numbers here for Democrats for sure. Well, moving on to uh, uh, other Democrats who suck shit, uh, there is a Democratic challenger to uh, Mitch McConnell in, in Kentucky, hmm. which. At first, it's a pretty exciting prospect, right? Yeah, like getting Mitch McConnell out of the Senate—that would be fucking dope. Yeah, we have another senator to challenge Trump. Squash that turtle. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't it be great if we got rid of uh, got rid of the Senate majority leader and replaced them with a Democrat? But oh, guess what? This Democrat supports Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Only, only at home though, because outside of home, she's like, ugh, I was so upset when he won. So I don't like what is she even? Yeah, I mean I I remember in 2014 uh when McConnell was last up for re-election, the Kentucky Secretary of State uh Allison Grimes, Grimes ran against him and basically ran on a similar type. I mean Trump wasn't in office obviously yet, but she was running as like basically a Republican. I remember her doing mm-hmm. an ad where she was shoot, firing off a gun and talking about how she could shoot a gun better than Mitch McConnell and and how she she also refused to answer whether or not she voted for Obama in 2008 or 2012 as the Democratic <laughs> Secretary of State of Kentucky. Um, so, like, I could see all this just... I can remember all these things, and I can just see this all happening again. And Mitch McConnell won by 15 points. I have a feeling uh, that um, he's going to win by more against her. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree. One yeah. of the dumbest things that that, I, that we saw her do was, uh, like, uh, she she was on Twitter. She said, like, someone someone asked her if she if she had if she would have voted for uh, Brett Kavanaugh at his confirmation. Oh, that's an easy question. Yeah, and and she's like, oh no, I, I wouldn't have. And then like literally, like within a day, there her she replies to the to the same tweet and says, uh, actually, you know, I think I, I think I probably would have. <laughs> Playing to lose. Yeah, I don't think the, you know, at this point, it's like the Democratic map of victory is not running through Kentucky. I don't think like (laughs) it's it's even if you I don't really to be honest, I don't think like running even like if you ran like a progressive against McConnell. I don't think they'd win either. Yeah, you'd a DSA member run and I don't think they'd win. But I think the important thing is, is to push the narrative that Democrats have sure. like right. instead yeah. of caving into because like what, yeah, every time exactly. you give them like when you say like I'm a pro-Trump 
Democrat, like you're giving them cover. Feeds into their narrative even mm-hmm. more. Right. Doesn't gives you no credibility really as a as a party. I mean, yeah, it it is just like a strategic non-starter to just you know act like a Republican as a Democrat because you know when when offered Republican light, like they're always going to take the real Republican. I mean, you saw that in the. Uh, in the uh, 2016 primaries, how Donald Trump bulldozed through everybody, you see, you saw that um, when, uh, you know, uh, what's his, what's his face, um, Eric Cantor was voted out during mm-hmm. that whole Tea Party thing. Well, yeah, even like, yeah, that's the thing too. Is like in, in the 2018. Um, in midterms, all of the Republicans that were, you know, against Trump, so to speak, lost. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, even, like, even within, like, not even, like, a Democrat running as a moderate Republican, but a Republican running as a moderate Republican. Yeah, you guys win. remember Jeff Flake? He didn't lose, but he knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. They, mm-hmm. That's why. Mm-hmm. They had, like, a record number Same of Same with Paul Ryan. Yeah. They all retired because they knew that they were going to be able to uh, face a primary because mm-hmm. of how they were reacted didn't, didn't to Trump. did Paul Ryan uh, say in, like, his new book that he retired basically because he wanted an escape hatch out of the Trump presidency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said he was like constantly trying to like steer the country away from like trouble and disaster. That being oh, said, you had to constantly kind of do your job. Oh no. <laughs> that, being said, though, that being said though, I agree with Ross that like, you know, the only way that we can really put Kentucky in play is if like DSA as is like really yeah, strong. Kentucky needs Kentucky. a populist. And I think that I think who was it? Rachel Maddow asked Bernie about like Kentucky, what would he do? And he said he would like, what would he do as, he would as his rallies. first move as president? And I was like, that's was the like, best that's answer genius. I've ever heard. I was like, that's so. And genius. literally, everyone, yeah. everyone's getting asked that question, right? And that's and that no one has that no answer. No one has that answer yet. And that was brilliant. No one has yeah. that. Yeah. An- like, that Maddow interview was brilliant. That he all did. of that was that great. whole Maddow interview was so good. He did a really phenomenal job. I was surprised that Maddow allowed it. yeah it's like it has to be a long-term strategy but the democrats can never think beyond the election coming up so they put someone like mcgrath up in hopes that they're gonna win and just keep losing every time and wonder why i I wish a bernie democrat would run and start to hold these populist kind of rallies and set the found at the very least set the foundation for when he comes in as like if as as somebody else to push mitch mcconnell Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that would be awesome let's just instead of Focusing on getting him out, maybe just like focus on making him do his job. And but like, there's both. There's so like for me, there's like two different kinds of pro-Trump Democrats too. Because like you have like obviously like McGrath, who's like you know her, her biggest complaint with uh, McConnell is that he blocked too much of Trump's legislation, which is just. <laughs> ludicrous um yeah that's 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 one of the things that i thought was hilarious is like she she's like her main complaint with mcconnell is that like he's preventing trump from doing all the things that trump said he was gonna do like bring back jobs you know lower prescription drug prices but it's like trump never gave a fuck about any of that stuff yeah no and like honestly like are you trying to make like this kind of goes into that whole narrative are you trying to make like because honestly if like you're a democrat who knows what trump's agenda is and you don't 
necessarily know the ins and outs of Senate, which there's a lot of people that don't necessarily know, like the Senate and the Congress and ins and outs of that. If you hear that, you're like, and you're like a you know independent voter. You're not like strictly Democrat. You're like, well, maybe McConnell's not that bad if he's trying to stop Trump. You know, <laughs> well, isn't that isn't that McGrath's like whole uh, shtick? Like, oh, McConnell's not allowing the president to get his agenda uh, passed. Mm-hmm. I'll help that. I'll make that happen. Like, can you believe? Could you imagine a Republican saying something like that about like any Democrat, let alone Obama? Yeah, like Obama, like. <laughs> just any Democrat, even if it was like, even if it was like um, someone that they would probably like, like Joe Manchin. Even if it was Joe Manchin, President Joe Manchin, they would never say that. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, that's a dystopian reality, right there. <laughs> but I was getting it. Like, so you have like McGrath, who's like, you know, like obviously like pro-Trump. But giving like counter, and then you have like people like Ojeda, who, albeit voted for Trump, has like taken a different route, and he's like, "Look, he's a con man. He conned us all." Like, and I think that's like the appropriate like way to run in these like really red states, and also just like run against these fucking coal barons. Like they're destroying mm-hmm. families, land, lives, and like the whole thing, and like their greed is just like anyone. You go down to Kentucky, West Virginia, and I mean places, that's the reason uh, Swearingen. Ran right, yeah. I mean, in, in all honesty, Paula Jean, yeah, with the amount of money that she had, which was very, very little compared to um, Joe Manchin, she put on a pretty damn good campaign. And I was like, she, I hear she's uh, thinking about running again, yeah, yeah. That's what I've she uh, should, that's what I've heard as well, which would be great. Yeah, I would definitely back her campaign. Um, although I think it would be against somebody not. I mean, obviously not Joe Manchin. It was this time. The, other, the other senator. The other senator, yeah. which would probably be, a l- well, it'd probably be a little bit easier, honestly, only because he is. Uh, is he a junior senator? He's Republican. He's Republican. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a she. It's a she. I forget her. I forget her name. Yeah. But um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. West Virginia is definitely weird. Sorry, I missed state. out on that. Like, what? One of three female oh, Republicans. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, moving on to uh, the 2020 presidential bullshit. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one piece of news that I found incredibly exciting. Uh, just, uh, was it yesterday or a couple days ago, um, Senator, former Senator Mike Gravel uh, finally reached the threshold to uh, qualify for the next uh, DNC debate. Um, he finally has reached uh, 65,000 unique donors. Um, and by the current requirements outlined by the DNC should be a lot of space in the in the next debate. What do you guys think about that? Well, possibly. Because I know that they have they're gonna have like a twenty person limit on the debate stages. So right. So I mean it depends on how many other people qualify, right? Yeah, which I have a feeling I mean, based on the last debates, which had the same uh donor requirement as these ones. Uh, I would imagine that there's other people that are ahead of him, which is kind of unfortunate. And the polling kind of thing comes into play, so she's not polling so well. So, I mean, it's... Pretty sure he's polling better than Jill Brand. Uh, yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> um, it, it, I thought the, uh... I thought the requirements to be on the debate were more stringent this time. No, that's, that's for, for the, the next, third one. Yeah, for oh the, next, goodness. the next round will be 130,000. Quite yeah. honestly, I'm just already sick of, like, you know, having to deal with all these candidates. Yeah, um, like, if you're polling below 3% after this debate, please, for the love of God, just go home. No, but I mean, like— Swalwell did. Yeah, yeah. good on him. Yeah, good, good on, on him. him. Yeah, I, I, he just attacked the shit out of Buttigieg, made him mad for me, and, like, then got out of there, made some diaper jokes. 
<laughs> I, that was great. I dug it. I dug it. That's awesome. I heard really a clip cool. of him on 538 the other day. It was hilarious because he did like a uh, exit interview. Uh, <laughs> now that he's and he, he's like, you know, I expected when I called all my donors that they just tell me to go home and drop out of the race immediately. But that wasn't what I got. They said, continue on going. And then I looked at my own campaign and decided that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like, so candid. Well, but he's, he's got uh, more balls than the rest of them. He's like, whatever, I don't even need this book deal. <laughs> but anyways, like, um, you know, I just think it's interesting that, you know, we're going to have another anti-war uh candidate on there but i just don't think that you know it's totally necessary when you have tulsi gabbard and uh bernie sanders oh, i think so i mean look at the way i mean tulsi's performance was interesting but there was she did not there was there was no mike Ravel is going to hold no punches he is going to go full ham on every single centrist democrat that's on the stage with he's him. gonna go full ham but is he gonna do it with like the same kind of pizzazz as like trump would i mean i just don't think i just don't have the same confidence in him like really you know making the anti-war message look sexy my only confidence in him is that he will make joe biden look worse i think oh well that's not hard like yeah but like anything anything that like takes biden down even one notch is good is a good thing i think so like gravel will definitely go after biden harder than everybody else he's already already doing it with biden yeah what if there's 20 of them and you might not even be the two stages i just want to see him on stage with bougie honestly like can they just can they scrap that would be pretty funny that's funny I mean, you you guys know I'm I'm just annoyed with how many uh, candidates we have. I like Mike Ravel. I wish you know he could take you know somebody like uh, what or you know what's that guy's name? John Delaney. John Delaney. That guy. Yeah, I hate him. John Delaney. Apparently, he's raised the third most uh, money out of any candidate. So well, um, he's self funding. Self funding, right? Uh, so yeah. um, seventeen million dollars to his own campaign. So yeah, like you know. I, I wish that he could just take his place. The thing is, I just, I, 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 he, or, there's already two other candidates with an anti-war message on the debate stage. You know, I think the majority of American people already agree with us that war sucks. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't think that he has the same like strategic uh, appeal that Marianne Williamson does because Marianne Williamson can really like take the wine mom vote away from the centrists, and that's like you know that's necessary. Well, I don't think he's like the, the thing about. Mike Ravel is. I don't think he's trying to take votes away from anyone necessarily. I think he's just trying to literally weaken the centrist Democratic candidates. And I don't know, man. I think. I think honestly, I think you're right. I think like if you were to go after Biden, I think it would make the attack that Kamala did look like child's play. Like I think he's yeah. like just gonna like just rip into Joe Biden if he's on stage with him yeah. or any of them really. I mean, like Kamala, he did it in 2008. Yeah, yeah, he did it in 2008, and he did it very effectively. Mm-hmm. Like I watched that shit multiple times and laughed my ass off. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I mean, well, they already his team already made that. Like uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, that, that video. Oh, yeah. ad. It was a very well made ad. Like. Yeah. Yeah, was a very good ad. I think they're they're, they're playing it on, on MSNBC. On MSNBC. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just the perfect place yeah, to play it. The best way they could have spent their <laughs> their money that they raised is on Biden attack ads. It's it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like. There's Mike Ravel. 
<laughs> is I just like I kind of want like uh, part of me wants Mike Gravel up there part of me wants like the two teens in a trench coat to go up there yes <laughs> and, like, he's like with like, a fake like Mike Gravel mustache on or something like, a, and like a walker that like from Bojack like Mr. Adultman or yeah, whatever no, Vincent Adultman Vincent Adultman yeah. <laughs> speaking of I don't think it'd be I don't think it's very responsible for us not to just mention like the elder abuse angle with all this like <laughs> like this like these freaking kids are just like making cash money off like this old man basically i mean apparently he's fine with it i mean he's been yeah. doing he's been doing the podcast circuit i've heard i've heard quite a few interviews with him where he's like i mean yeah i'm not doing like any like i'm not really doing like any traveling or anything but like i'm trying to do as many interviews as i can and you know these kids are running my campaign and you know i'm <laughs> fine with it like, i'm so actually fun. kind of happy to see like somebody like actually appreciate the youth and what they can bring to a campaign because i mean there is a certain i mean obviously like you know there's <laughs> there there it's it's um this is more of like a show campaign than it is like a campaign to win um and they've said that but there is some like uh, advantage to having these young people who can connect with young voters. I mean, because that's, like, that's what has gotten him to 65,000 voters. It's probably like the Twitter account alone almost just because he's been, oh, they've yeah. been so, so good at like communicating uh, with younger people and younger voters. But I think what, what the value that he could bring would be moving that Overton window even farther to the left making Bernie look like, like a moderate right and, and honestly like nobody does that and it would be great like great like put him up there and may, let him like make Bernie look like a moderate because people will be like whoa well that's interesting I do that is you that know? is something that and uh, then like and then and then he what can if be Bernie, the crazy guy right but, he, yeah. he doesn't care he can be yeah. the crazy far leftist yeah. and then like Bernie's like sensible now. abolish all police and military <laughs> and then Bernie's like whoa whoa <laughs> Let's abolish some police and some um, military. And ICE. <laughs> um, yeah. Which he did come out in favor of abolishing ICE. Did yeah. he not? Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Right. Good good decision. And uh, I mean, the Electoral yes. College, finally. I think fucking God, it's a long enough old man. Right. Uh, so, yeah, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Anti-endorsements. Anti-endorsements. Yeah, last week, um, Bernie Sanders... Uh, uh, published on his website a list of anti-endorsements, which is like just such a boss fucking move. But really, he posted a list of billionaires. Yeah, well, yeah, he did. He did. But really, they are. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Power Ranger or oligarch Kaim Savan uh, made a uh, appearance. He said he loved all the Democrats except Bernie. <laughs> yeah, I was. I had fun like looking up some of these people who were you know criticizing him and. Uh, one guy I stumbled upon was like the founder of Home Depot, and uh, he wrote a uh, autobiography titled uh, "I Love Capitalism." Oh fuck! And, <laughs> and like, yeah, so these people are kind of hilarious, uh, just to uh, just to hear their their anyone... defenses of this current system and how they've profited off of it but it's all good it's all good yeah the anti endorsements are a big dick move that's for sure did you guys see yeah. the um twitter spat between him and uh, lloyd blankline 
And who? Lloyd uh, Blankfein? No, I, I didn't uh, say that. Who the fuck is that? Yeah, I don't know who that is. He's the uh, former uh, CEO of Goldman Sachs. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you're up in a better neighborhood than him, so, yeah, yeah. so he's everything like, is you know, legitimate, we, we have, he says. Yeah, like, maybe he's like, I don't understand why Bernie is attacking a retiree like me. Okay, first of all, you're retired from fucking Goldman Sachs. I'm yeah. like you're just some like, old dude who retired from like oh, that's like the, the shop and you're just living your life away in peace and quietness like no and then he's like well I'm not attacking you because of that I'm attacking you because you uh, <laughs> said you wanted to cut uh, Medicare Social Security and Medicaid and Lloyd Blankfein's like I didn't say that and Bernie responds with a video of him saying that and he says oh I must have been mistaken I did see this somebody else <laughs> 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 yeah, we need we need to uh, cut all that stuff because you know I need more money in my retirement. <laughs> I need more money on top of my four hundred million dollar a year retirement package. You see, okay. the better the big corporations do, the better my portfolio goes up. The bigger yacht I buy. This right. big okay. dad energy coming from Bernie lately is just awesome. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's what BD stands for. Big dad energy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like he's been going on the offensive, just like constantly attacking like the oligarchy, which is I think the right move. Like his nobody Twitter. likes these people. They're easy targets. Like mm. blast away. Yeah. And Twitter a lot of people strong. don't even know their names. So like, let's point them out. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of them don't want. The American public didn't know too much about them. I, I feel like, uh, nope. Just let me live my live my life yeah. peacefully in retirement, old man. Quit attacking me. Quit attacking me in my Scrooge McDuck room, okay? Right. I'm trying As to swim like in my money. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's a trope, Mara. I saw like a <laughs> like a liquid gold pool. Then <laughs> I bet you someone has it. So last week, uh, during appearance at the uh, Essence Festival in New Orleans, um, Kamala Harris uh, is calling for amending the Fair Credit Reporting Act to require credit reporting agencies to include payments of rent, cell phone bills, and utilities when calculating credit scores. So that's going to be fucking great for poor people. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, no one's ever late on those payments. I'm kind of a mixed point on this one. I think that this there's so obviously like I mean as a progressive I think we should just completely get rid of credit scores altogether. Obviously. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. And there is a problem with people that don't have very much money um in terms of building credit, but then, uh, like you had mentioned, like there are also a lot of uh, poorer folk who, if they had this implemented, it would just be detrimental because they're constantly paying late payments. So, I mean, I think that um, I think the way that you could honestly fix this bill, because I don't think that it's completely flawed to allow for rent, um, cell phones, and utilities to be included in credit score, uh, only because there there is the capability for poorer people to build credit. But I think it has to be an opt-in system. I think it has to be something where you're opting into having this. Kind towards your credit score and it's not necessarily just a flat baseline for everyone um because I, I do know like i said i know quite a few people who pay you know all of these bills and you know they they don't have enough to necessarily go out and like you know lease a car or um you know get a house mortgage or do uh you know have credit cards because they don't have like good credit to start with um you know, whether it be like student debt or what have you. So, I mean, I think there's there the idea behind allowing 
poor working class folk to build credit in different means is a good idea. I don't know if the implementation is good on this policy. You know, you really hit the nail on that um, with that on the head, Zach. Like, it's a really nuanced issue for the very reasons, you know, you just laid out there. Um, and this is kind of why, you know, this is the really problematic you know, part of, you know, credit scores in general, right? You know, we're giving these private financial institutions, uh, you know, a look into our lives and it's becoming a financial surveillance, you know, mm -hmm. and you're right. You know, like people who are in uh, lower income brackets and, um, you know, who struggle to, uh, get credit, this would be, you know, a you know, move towards like, you know, getting them credit and making their, uh, lies more for uh financially liquid but that comes at a cost right that means you know you're gonna have a bunch of people especially if it's opt-in right like especially low class you know with a higher like level of you know uh, financial surveillance than uh other folk so like it's it, it you, you know you're right like i think there needs to be um some more like uh um, you know, creative means of implementing a way that, you know, uh, more uh, low income people can, uh, gain credit. You know, when I first, uh, you know, got my car, my dad had to, uh, sign, co-sign with me cause I had no credit. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I still don't have a credit card. I need to get a goddamn credit card. Right. And like, you, you know, don't. that's the only way I'm going to be able to build credit. Well, that, well, there are other ways to build credit, but yeah, it does help. Um, but also like, I, I I feel like, and I could be wrong here, that there was like a proposal at one point to like, with the making the like post office as banks, there would be an, a way to like get credit through that, like no, to no, build abolish banks, abolish only, banks, and, only yeah. credit unions, right? Right. Well, that would, like honestly, payday, that would be it would yeah. be necessarily credit as much as it'd be like it'd be like a replacement for payday lenders. Well, yeah, if you, if we abolished okay. banks and only had uh, credit unions, there wouldn't be a new reason for, like, uh, there wouldn't be a reason for, like, you know, credit scores. Yeah, I mean, and, and credit scores, you know, like, the biggest problem with credit scores is they're being used for things that shouldn't necessarily, like, involve, like, your financial, like, you know, you, your credit score shouldn't be indicative of whether or not you get a job. You know, because it's right. just like you're you're just criminalizing the poor further. You shouldn't be used for your. You shouldn't determine your driving, for instance. You know, like here in Michigan, we have that problem of credit scores determining uh, <clears throat> our driving uh, or insurance rates. So I mean, there's like plenty of areas where it's being used in or like custody, like custody, like for Christ's sakes. Um, Oh, so you're bad with money, so you must be a bad parent. Right? Yeah, like with, so. There's like a lot of areas I think but where also, the, it needs to be removed from even being able to be used. Yeah, and then this bill though worries me because they like not only it, you would would individuals have to opt into this bill, but like the the credit card companies, from what I understand, would have to opt into using the additional um, units for the score. Mm -hmm. And I I don't believe that they're going to just opt into doing extra work. I mean, even if it runs through Equifax, which is another thing, like I don't really need any more information running through Equifax. Right. I'm good on that. Thank you. Yeah, another reason, and another like, reason why those private, like, you know, companies are not to be trusted, right? They're not secure. Right. And utility companies can actually already harm your credit score, but that's only after months of non-payment. Yeah, like they can payments. harm it, but they can't benefit it. They can't it, benefit it, which is like, yeah, but at the same time, like... Even if you have one late payment, that dings your credit score, right? And, mm -hmm. like, 
oh no, I forgot to pay my bill today because it's due today. And I didn't, you know, uh, like that's a ding on your credit score right then and there. And I can tell you, I probably did that a lot recently, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like a day or two late. I think that's. Yeah, it's like the difference between people that are working paycheck to paycheck and then people that have like all of their bills on Which is like right. like forty percent yeah, of Americans forty percent of don't Americans. have like what is it, four hundred dollars? Four hundred dollars for emergency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's definitely paycheck to paycheck living. Right. Yeah, I mean I think it's an important conversation that needs to be had and you know, hopefully this bill will at least spur, you know, more discussion about ways that we can, you know, change the system so that, you know, it gives people a chance. Um, you know, at you know, and right now it's you know so many people are just sort of trapped uh, at the bottom, or just of, of like the dem- dismantle the system as a whole. Yeah, that would be good. I think we should do <laughs> nationalize that. But, it even. But yeah, I mean, if if we do, uh, yeah, I don't, and I I'll agree that I don't think this bill probably will accomplish what it you know seeks to. But if you know if we're able to you know work on this in a serious way, it definitely goes a long way, and I think it can go a long way in closing the racial wealth gap um, in the country because, I mean, this disproportionately affects minorities um, who are much a large percentage of those who are the term, I think, is credit mm-hmm. invisible. Right, yeah, the, uh, the home ownership rates yeah. amongst minorities is much smaller, so, like, mm-hmm. that right there alone is a way of decreasing credit. She also had a mention of, like, and this, this to me, I guess this is, like, a nitpicky kind of thing, but was, like, money to put money down on re- formerly redlined homes for people of color, but I think a lot of those homes are going to need a lot of structural work as well, so we should be also putting money away for that, just as a quick note. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was part of this bill as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, it's not technically a bill. bill it's, is, well, it's a proposal. Yeah. But. Well, before we before we close out today's episode, uh, we've got. It's time for dessert, guys. It's time for dessert. Yes. A really, really, really funny clip. It's a palate cleanser. Um, here we go. So that's what they start to do, right? That's what they start to do. They did it then. They will do it now. You know, people have said, if you look at, for example, the whole, remember the whole, the heat that ended up around the bend the knee and Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Many smart people have said it actually was not a thing. Mm -hmm. The Russian bots started taking that on. Really? Yes. You feel like you're being targeted by Russian bots now? Well, we already know we are. <laughs> so really smart people are saying that it wasn't even a thing. It's not even a thing, guys. There's no such thing as police brutality or history of racism and slavery in the United States. Fuck it. It wasn't a thing. It was Russia. What the fuck? It's so goddamn patronizing. So patronizing. I I only just found out about this like literally like an hour ago. That sounds before like a Trump we, quote. Before we started yeah. taping, like Zach said, like, do you guys hear about this? And what the fuck? This is this is incredible. Yeah, I, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> like every time that like the Democrats try to use like the Russians as like a way of like trying to obfuscate from like our own real problems, it just like infuriates me so much. It was like the um, they did this with Standing Rock as well. They were like, you know, Standing Rock was only bad because Russia made it bad, and it's like um, maybe it's actually because people care about climate change. You ever? think of that you fuckwads <laughs> right 
and, we and, only and lost 2016 peoples. because of Russia. <laughs> right? Okay. Had nothing to only do with Russia. Uh, the Democrats. Had nothing, nothing to do with uh, Hillary Clinton's terrible fucking campaign. Or had 400 to do with years not of to colonialism and fear yeah. politics. Mm, nothing so, to do with any of that either. You see, yeah, some very smart people have said that, that Russia was <laughs> the reason that the, we had slavery in the first place in, in this country. Um, there were bots. The fucking czar. Yeah, there were, there were bots. The, czar. the bots go way back. Okay, this is <laughs> not before just... before bots, they yeah. were like actual Russian spies. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's all the spies. Yeah, that, like forget yeah. the Constitution. Bots Hot, just wait, made no, the Constitution no, wait, obsolete. No, it was time-traveling bots. That's what it was. Time-traveling bots that have changed America's oh, textbooks, shit, too. Right. Yeah. I'm just imagining like, um, like uh, pigeons flying over and dropping notes like over plantations and like to Sarah Palin like the, like the, the uh, they just like pick it up and they're like slavery exists huh <laughs> wow Russia Russia just let me know that slavery exists in America I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty uh, I'll give her this you know that is a really really um, creative uh, you know, explanation for a cop to come up with. Like, she didn't say, she didn't say that, like, you know, the Russians had a knife or, like, you know, something like that. No, she just blamed the Russians for bots. Like, that was crazy. You know, co- like, cops aren't, aren't, aren't usually that creative. She's going to prosecute Russia. She's going to, yeah. I'm, I'm going to She's prosecute. going to question her cross examination. I'm going to prosecute gonna be so good. the uh, case against Donald Trump. I'm going to prosecute it. I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to defend, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna obfuscate um, the national anthem protests because I'm a cop and Russia did it. No, no, Hashtag I mean, if, prosecute Putin. If Kamala whips Donald Trump's ass, like that is some police brutality. I might be able to get behind. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I'm okay with watching old white men get beat up by. Kamala Harris. That's okay. <laughs> she can do that. You get a pass Public from us. Public access television show. Let's get her one. <laughs> you know, well, if if Donald Trump uh, does in fact uh, keep keep office in 2020, which I think there's a very good chance that that will happen, um, how much of this is going to get blamed on Russia? Like, I just, I, I get this, this terrible feeling that we've all been cursed and we're all doomed to like relive 2016 over and over and over again. If, if the Democrats do that again, How they will go that? the way of the Whigs. They will just <laughs> dissolve as a party. They can't do that again. They can't rely on electoral strategy of Russia. They just can't do it. There's no fucking... If they do that again... Do you have little faith in their incompetence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. Well, that'd be a good thing. I fucking hope they do that. Fuck be like, I fucking told you so. Fucking Democrats made me into a tanky. God fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Pelosi just pumping out tankies. That's <laughs> like all she's fucking good for. It's all she's fucking good for. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> someone gets hurt. Yeah. I think someone's about to turn into the Hulk. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm cooling down, guys. You guys going to raid like a detention center? I'm just hungry. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's one down. There's one in state in there. Yeah, we found one. Let's go. Yeah. 
Well, uh, right let's uh, let's wrap up here and go get lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us this week. Um, once again, please uh, make sure you subscribe to our show. Um, if you like our show, then you should rate us on iTunes because it'll help uh, new listeners find us. Um, you can find us on Facebook at State of the Revolution. You can follow us on Twitter at SOTR Pod. You can also help uh, sub, uh, support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, I'm Benjamin Klon. I'm Zach. You should definitely check out the dank memes on the page. Yeah, you definitely should. Definitely. Alex Sahori. Uh, Marzenberg. Ross Fisher. All right. Check out the dank memes. We'll see you later. It's not personal. I'm going to kill myself. Wow. I'm going to kill myself, and it's your fault!